So welcome, everyone. You're on LocalJobNetwork.com radio, and I'm your host, Jacqueline Peterson. And you're listening to Government Compliance, where we take federal contractors and subcontractors through the current trends of affirmative action planning, equal employment opportunity, and Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs. And today, we have expert Sandy Ziegler, a recognized authority on federal EEO enforcement with 25 years of experience divided equally between the EEOC and the OFCCP. Sandy, before we dive into today's topic, just give our listeners a little bit of uh, about your background. Well, I've worked in the government for, as you said, 25 years. I was an attorney at the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, where I worked in the Office of Legal Counsel, the Office of General Counsel really briefly, at the Office of Communications and Legislative Affairs, and I was Special Assistant to former Commissioner Tucker. And then I was the Deputy Director for Policy at the Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs, and uh, after that, I was the regional director for the Midwest region, which was the largest region of OFCCP. Okay, so I think we found our good, <laughs> the, the right person here to talk about this. Well, we actually brought you in today because you recently wrote an article about salary negotiation and disparate impact. So to get us started, what exactly is that? Well, disparate impact is a theory you can use to prove discrimination that doesn't require that you show that the uh, discriminator was actually intending to discriminate. Okay. And can you give us a little bit of an example of what that would look like? Well, uh, actually, the whole theory began uh, with a case called Griggs versus Duke Power, where the company imposed a high school diploma requirement on all of the workers in a particular class of jobs. And it didn't, you know, didn't limit it to any particular race or whatever. Everybody was subjected to the same standard. But statistically, because blacks were graduating high school at much lower rates than whites, it had the effect of precluding more blacks from getting the jobs than whites. And so the court said things that are fair in form but discriminatory in their effect are illegal as well as things that are intentional. So it actually doesn't require that you have bad thoughts. It's just that the outcome of your action results in one group being disadvantaged relative to another. Okay. So how does salary negotiation potentially lead to disparate impact? Well, actually, when I was thinking about it, uh, salary negotiation uh, often is stimulated by the person who comes in to look for the job. They initiate negotiations because they want to get a higher salary than uh, than either has been advertised or discussed. And so anybody could do that. Thus, it's not like there's a science that only men can negotiate salaries, not women. Anyone could negotiate it. So it's something that uh, is available for everybody to do. But because of these statistics that show how women are less likely to engage in salary negotiations, it occurred to me that, well, this is something that you know, anyone can do, but because some people do it and men are more likely to do it, they may wind up with higher salaries as a result of it. So it made me think of the disparate impact theory as a way uh, that someone might challenge that. So in your article, you had given some statistics that you had read through the Washington Post and, and things like that. So women ask for raises or promotions 85% less often than their male counterparts. And I was actually surprised to learn that that could hypothetically impact their overall income even up to a million dollars. It's interesting because you're talking about all of the things that go with salary. I mean, there may be other things keyed to salary. Uh, you know, your pensions are keyed to salary, maybe some level of benefits. Uh, and it accumulates over time. So if you start off with a lower salary, then when you get, you know, your salary increases, people who came in at a higher salary are going to still stay higher than you. So it can impact you uh, a great deal that way, you know, in, in terms of 
right. failing to negotiate. Now, I know we're sort of speculating here, but it seems obviously that women are not negotiating as much as men. Why do you think that is? I think sometimes uh, maybe the woman is so glad to get the job. <laughs> Perhaps <laughs> she's had some challenges. And once you get the offer, you're so happy to get it, then maybe don't negotiate. Or it may be they're afraid they're going to lose a job offer if they come across you know, uh, too aggressively because the aggression, what, I mean, what may be viewed as assertiveness in a man may be viewed as aggress- aggression in a woman. And so you know, that, that wanting to make a, a good first impression is a possibility. Or just, just don't, it doesn't occur to the woman to negotiate. They just take it face value that this is what the job pays. Right. You know, it's hard to tell from any individual woman. I know there's many times when I haven't negotiated, basically because I was glad to get whatever it was that was being offered. Right. <laughs> You know, you have to have a lot of other options to to effectively negotiate. You need to be able to walk away. And sometimes maybe the woman's not in a position to walk away. Well, yeah. And in another part of your article, you had mentioned that women are subjected to backlash from their counterparts, even men and other women, if they're negotiating their salary. So it makes for a, a tense work environment. Yes, yeah, so that's the whole idea about, you know, being afraid of being viewed as too aggressive. Well, not afraid, but not, you know, wanting to, wanting to be someone that they want to work with. So if you feel like maybe I'll come across as ungrateful or not appreciating the job opportunity or somehow, you know, start off on a bad note, perhaps, you know, that might influence the decision not to negotiate. Sure. And why is all of this important to federal contractors, subcontractors, employers? Well, I think one thing I do want to make clear when it comes to disparate impact, there is a slight wrinkle when it comes to compensation because Title VII does allow employers to offer the affirmative defenses you'd have under the Equal Pay Act, which includes arguing that the reason for the pay disparity is a reasonable factor other than sex. But then the question is, you know, is it reasonable to, is negotiation going to meet that reasonableness factor? And the other thing that's important is, first of all, the contractor needs to understand why they're entertaining negotiation. I think they need to, to see what the effect of it is, because it all goes down to whether or not it actually is having an effect on the, the pay that people have. And then uh, the way that OFCCP enforces compensation, they take a picture of a particular time, like maybe the, the first of the month of, you know, for everybody uh, in a given year, like the first February of the month was one of the proposals. And if you're taking a snapshot of a day to see where the disparities are, you may have a disparity that actually began because the man negotiated a different salary to begin with than the woman did. And so if you don't think about that as a possibility, even if you're trying to just defend that snapshot, you know, you may not be able to explain it unless you go back to what happened when you first set the salary. Okay, well, sort of playing the devil's advocate here then, since salary negotiation is usually initiated by the candidate versus, you know, the employer, can it be characterized as a policy or practice by the employer? Well, my thought on that is that the fact that they initiate it is an argument to say it's not a practice. However, negotiation is a two-way street. It takes two to actually get the negotiation going. So if the employer engages in the negotiation at that point, it seems to me, they're not just you know, being new, it's not, it's not something that, that they're uh, separate from. They're, they're part of it. And to the extent that it leads to a pay disparity that disadvantages women, I think it's hard then to say, well, it's not my practice since you were, you know, part and parcel of the negotiation. 
Yeah. Okay. So give our listeners some tips on maybe best practices that they can um, think about just to avoid the potential for having disparate impact regarding salary negotiation. Well, I think that well, the first thing is to understand what the negotiation practices are in your company, because sometimes it's not consistent. You may have one person who when they hire, they entertain uh, negotiation and other people follow strict rules. So you need to know what people are actually doing uh, as well as whatever the policy is. But the practice is as important as the policy. And then to see, you know, look and see when people are coming in who have similar skills and background and experience and see if there's, a, if there's much of a difference and if you can explain that difference. Because eventually you will have to explain the difference if there's a challenge about your pay practices. The other thing, I think, is to look at how you present the employment opportunity. Do you present it to men in a way that invites them to negotiate? You know, do you say it less definitively to men when you're talking about how much the job pays than you do to women? And does that have some kind of a, a negative effect? Because sometimes if, if a person says, okay, this is what we usually pay, maybe that's an invitation in, to negotiate because you said you usually pay that, but you don't always. And if you present to a woman saying, this is what the job pays, you know, that might be a completely different message about whether or not negotiation is invited. So I think these are some of the things that an employer can do to make sure that they're to the best of their ability, that they're not allowing the negotiation process itself to cause pay disparities that aren't really explicable for business reasons. Okay. So if you're talking to a man versus a woman, just be very consistent in how you're delivering the message, the offer. What about some sort of um, ideas such as the company setting inflexible starting salaries for the position? Can you sort of elaborate on that? That may work in some positions. If the if the jobs are you know fairly well defined and you can set a value on each of uh, the components of the job, if you set an inflexible pace a starting salary, you avoid the problem altogether basically because everybody gets the same no matter what. So it's not as if negotiation has an opportunity. Well, you know that's one way to avoid it. In some industries, though, in some levels of uh, like especially higher level professions, it may be very hard to be that inflexible because there are certain specialized skills that you may want to compensate a little bit more for. I think with those situations, being very clear about what components are worth what and make sure that those things are worth the same, whether a woman presents with those skills or a man presents with those skills, will help keep you out of trouble. Okay. And what about some sort of algorithm where the compensation is set based on factors regarding the applicant, maybe experience, education? Um, Any thoughts on that? Well, when I'm talking about being consistent, that's one way to ensure that consistency. When I was just saying, you know, you set a value on the skill, you could do it through a computer program, basically, if you're doing, uh, you know, an algorithm. You say so many years of experience, so many types of experiences, uh, these kinds of credentials are going to translate into X number of dollars. So if you do something like that, you have a way that, you know, that you take out a little bit of the judgment of the, the human judgment, and you're just putting in the factors, and every time those factors present, they generate the same salary. I mean, you have a pretty good defense that here's, here's how I assign it, this is why this skill is more important to me, and I'm willing to pay for it, and I pay whenever it presents, and it's you know, is, is available among women candidates as, as it is among men candidates. Okay. And another idea that was in your article was basically having one person designated to negotiate sal- the starting salaries for all candidates. What are your thoughts about that? The idea behind that is that 
instead of you know, you're having that, that different gender difference, if, if it's one person doing all the negotiations for salary, presumably that one person has the, that same gender, whatever the effect is, is impacting all your candidates. Now, whether that's practical or not, I don't know, because, you know, I've not actually <laughs> run a business. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it just seemed when you're, ta- you're talking about how do I avoid having the, the gender effect uh, with the negotiation situation, if you had a designated person in your enterprise who try, you know, t- sits down with whoever the hiring official is and argues the case for every single candidate based on the information they submitted, then they all have the same gender person doing the negotiations. So it's very hard to say that this one got less because you were negotiating with a man versus a woman. Everybody had the same gender person negotiating. I see. Okay. Well, any last words for our federal contractors or some subcontractors or even, you know, non-contractors out there um, regarding salary negotiation? Well, I think that salary negotiation, whether it'll ever actually, you know, become a disparate impact case, I think it's you know, hard to say. I, I would imagine if it were easy to put on, it would have been put on. It's a, it's a challenging argument. However, I do think that it raises very real and important things to think about when you're setting salary because negotiations do influence how much people make. You may have someone come in who didn't even think the salary was negotiable. If only certain people are aware that it's negotiable, then that's going to have an effect on how, you know, how their salaries are initially set. And I think you have to really think about what exactly are you trying to achieve by making the salary negotiable, and is that the best way to do it? Is that the way least likely to uh, create these disparities that are just based not on the skills, the value of the person, so much as the propensity of one gender to negotiate versus the other. Okay. And then for people who are applying for jobs, of course, it suggests you ought to try to negotiate your salary. <laughs> I think even for, you know, the statistics that show that women get a bump up in salary over their, the life of their career uh, may, may wor- make it very much worse the risk that, you know, you'll be looked at you know, somewhat askance because you negotiated. But I think if you're grounded in actual facts about what that industry generally pays, what the skill sets are worth, you know, in the market, that you can go in more confident about your negotiation and that it's not just greed or I'm just trying to ask for something because I want to see if I can get it, but rather that, you know, this is what this, this is the going rate uh, for people with my background, skills, and abilities. And that's why I'm, you know, I'm proposing you know, this alternative salary. Over time, by doing that first of all, you accustom the uh, employer to having women negotiate salary, and you will more than likely come out ahead financially, even if there may be a few rough patches on the way. Right, exactly. Well, perfect. Thank you, Sandy. We appreciate your expertise and personal experiences about this ever-evolving topic. And this does it for today's show, Government Compliance. Continue listening to localjobnetwork.com radio for your latest employment-related programs. And if you have comments, suggestions, or questions, email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. I'm Jacqueline Peterson for localjobnetwork.com radio, and thanks for listening.